0: Hey guys, this is Taylor from Game Devs Quest with this week's quick tip. Want to get started making pixel art but aren't sure what tool to use? Don't use MS Paint if you can avoid it. Check out one of these programs instead. Graphic Scale is a free pixel art program you can download right now. Or for $9, you can use the program we use to make pixel art, PixelEdit, spelled with a Y instead of an I. Another common one we see is Sprite, which you can get for $15 on Steam. While there are many other applications like GIMP, Paint.net, or Photoshop, These are some of the common ones we see game devs use.
1: right, guys, hey hey, welcome to this week's episode of Game Devs Quest. Uh, your once weekly podcast chronicling our journey from game dev scrub to more than that Uh, if we can do it you can too I'm Rhett I'm Taylor and today we're joined with a special guest host Uh, he's the curator and uh, mastermind behind cheerfulghost.com which you've heard us uh, talk about before Uh, go ahead and say hello
2: hey everybody Uh, it's really great to be here Um, wow you know I I listen to the show it's really fun Um, and I'm really happy to finally be on uh it's good to get yeah, out yeah, there yeah. and spread my podcast wings. Well,
1: uh thanks again for for joining us on such short notice, man. Uh we only talked about this like last week, I think, and it's uh fun to be able to get it together. Um
2: so yeah. Yeah, we
0: we uh, listened to your episode. That was shouting us out.
2: <laughs> and, you mean uh, the one where I was like, "Please, please, <laughs> Yeah, while you're on your on, Chinese, not at all. It like... didn't sound like that. It didn't. I was, sound begging. Like that at all. I was begging. I was begging.
1: <laughs> I was actually really relieved, John, when you um, when you actually turned your roundtables into a podcast because right. I always really enjoyed um, listening to those, but being on YouTube, like it wasn't. Um, you know, I guess convenient because uh, I do most of that type of stuff like while I'm working or while I'm driving or whatever. And then, of course, like streaming a YouTube video, uh, especially it's like an hour long, is, um, you know, uh, not the best use of bandwidth. <laughs> so, no, it's really um, not. So when you uh, turned it into a podcast, I was really excited because uh, I did like keeping up with that sort of stuff. And even though I'm not chiming in on Cheerful Ghosts all the time, I do like checking in uh, as often as I can and seeing. The stuff that people are talking about and the conversations that are going over there. So, um, with that being said, I don't know if you just want to like explain to us what exactly is Cheerful Ghost. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but for anybody who's just joining, uh, go ahead and explain that.
2: Yeah, so Cheerful Ghost is a video game website for people that love games, and it sort of started out. Uh, oh, geez, five years now, I guess. Um, when I was, I had like a lot of games among, amongst a di- bunch of different systems like pc nintendo super nintendo that kind of ps3 and all that kind of thing and i and i was making a list of everything in a spreadsheet amongst all things i think everything starts with a spreadsheet in tech right and so i had them in in this spreadsheet and i was like okay and then i just said it on facebook i'm like i have like a thousand games and travis who's on cheerful ghost he's like oh cool share it and i'm like uh i have no idea how to do that so from that idea right there i was like you know what it would be a really cool place if you could like put all your video games like your list And like a website and then that idea grew into sort of what cheerful ghost is now so um we launched like i don't know five years ago and um it was around a couple things which is a really cool place to talk about games and just add games to your list and talk about those games and just have it focus on that so you could like search for zelda and get all the discussions about zelda you could search for um metroid and get all the discussions about metroid and um also at the time there wasn't a really good place where you could find out all the video games and what systems they were on and that kind of thing so we kind of scraped all this data together um we track like about twenty-six thousand games right now and sort of as i was moving forward you know with cheerful ghost i realized that like um there are a lot of really great indie games out there in the world you know and um one of those really cool indie games was starship rubicon and I was boothing alongside of Wick, who is the creator of... Well, at the time, it was Rubicon, and we were at these really little conventions, you know? And I had my booth for Cheerful Ghost, and he had his booth for Rubicon, and he had a Kickstarter that he had successfully funded, and the game was out. And he was just giving away his game for free. And I was like, this is a really fun, shooty-shoot, Asteroids game, like let's see if we could sell it man like what, what What? about that like can we do that you know and then we just talked over a bit and i'm like man this guy's really cool but he doesn't understand like at the time his pitch wasn't as as good as it could be like i thought the game was way better than he was talking about it as you know what i mean so you know as someone who'd been working you know at, on a video game website like cheerful ghost i was like hey uh let me talk about the game let me you know. Like, speak about it colorfully, get some, you know, good good description there or whatever, and help publish the game. And so we sort of talked about a relationship. We'd never done any kind of contract before. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know how that worked or anything like that. So then we figured out a relationship and we published the game. And what we decided to do was um, re release the game and call it uh, Starship Rubicon instead of Rubicon. And Starship Rubicon became an FTL-ish rogue, kind of like Asteroids meets FTL, where you've got like an FTL overmap, and then um, you've got all the really great Asteroids kind of gameplay that Wick had built, and then we added some more ships to it, and then like, Customizations to the game, and it became more of a full fledged game. And then we released it on starshiprubicon.com, which linked to a cheerful ghost page. So I had to build that up so we could actually have a storefront building the game. And then we were greenlit on Steam, and then uh, got way more sales after that. Um, and then that's kind of what happened with that. It was, uh, I would consider it a pretty fun process, um, start to finish, but that was kind of it, sort of in a nutshell um but cheerful ghost now continues on we're still uh we still publish starship rubicon in fact we were at the portland retro game expo um last weekend and we had a booth there we run like retro game tournaments wick was showing his upcoming game crescent loon which we're not publishing he's self-publishing that and he was also had starship rubicon there as well plus we were selling i was just seeing if we could sell vhs tapes <laughs> which
0: is like which is amazing. <laughs> that, yeah which is amazing
2: uh, so we're just selling VHS tapes and we sold a lot of VHS tapes. The first VHS tapes we sold actually at the expo was, was alien and aliens. And it was because it was funny. Cause like Wix, uh, Crescent loom, like, uh, logo is a direct, like, call to the alien logo with the egg you know and so he's like let's watch that first because we had a tv set up an old crt with vhs tapes you know sort of show off the tapes that we're going to sell and so we were playing that and i had to turn it off immediately like we couldn't finish the movie because it was bought right away but um that's fun to know (laughs) like people are like directly influenced by these old like kick-ass movies and stuff but uh we were there so we're always there at portland retro game expo it's like my favorite expo of the year it's like way smaller than PAX, but big enough to be awesome and I love retro I love retro games so going there every year is like amazing so Triple Ghost is kind of just continuing on and its community of people that love talking about games and have some ideas for maybe some other local games we might be publishing um, but now having a kid makes that a lot more challenging but then again, I like keeping I the lights <laughs> on, too. So it's like, you know, it'd be, good to get a, it'd be good to pay for stuff, too. So so I don't know. Like, there's that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not saying keep the lights on in terms of this is my job. I mean, keep the lights on in terms of, like, keep the website paying for itself and all that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. that was a really That's long-winded awesome. answer. I apologize. I can go for it. No, hey, no worries, awesome. man.
0: <laughs> well, and You the make funny, it easy. Me and Rhett last week were talking about the retro gaming convention, and it was like, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. And they, they have this like retro gaming convention that's coming up. And I was like, yeah, you mean like today? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it started like the day that I brought it up. Yeah. Last Friday, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of bummed that we missed that. I think uh, Hope. hopefully, you know, Game Devs Quest will be continuing on through next year. And so maybe next year. Um, is it once once yearly that it goes on? Okay.
2: Yeah, it is. It's in October, um, okay. and it's pretty much the same the same block every year. Um, yeah, if you guys yeah, want to so do we'll... like a, if you guys want to do like a live show from the show floor, like, and let us know, and I'll make some room at the booth. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, uh, you know, we had a little bit of room. I don't know if that would make any sense with sound or whatever, but yeah, just let us know when you're coming in and head by because. Um, cool.
0: Yeah. Either way, I'd yeah, like we've... to. I'd like to show up. Cause you know we're we're like pretty new to the scene. Like we kind of just keep to ourselves that and Twitter, and then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, you know. Right. But but there's a lot of gaming stuff going on around us that would be cool to get involved with. So yeah, yeah the
1: one... more we open up our eyes, the more we see. It's it's uh, it's pretty great.
2: Yeah, it is. One other aspect of Portland Retro Game Expo that's probably not obvious, too, is that Portland Indie Game Squad has a presence there as well. So they were in the free-to-play oh. arcade, and they had the big, the huge pink pig. And so there, there were a bunch of my friends, they were making one game that I thought was, well, a couple, actually. There were two. One of the games was Wild at Heart, and so um, that's from Ni- Sleep Ninja Games, and they did um, Monsters Ain't My Birthday Cake, which was kick-started, and then they were published by... Um, uh, Cartoon Network um, and Justin, uh, Justin runs that studio and he. we were talking about his next game or whatever and uh, which is Wild at Heart which is really really neat um, it's totally like Justin's art style like he's if you see like monsters and you saw this game it, it's it's very similar but it's really cool and uh, another game that I saw too was oh what is it I have the thing right here actually the little card it's uh, Plunge and it's by Hagen Delos and Tyler and they uh, they also made another game as well. I'm blanking on what it's called right now. But Plunge is basically like an iPad game where you swipe around, and it's kind of like a like a dungeon crawling roguelike like where um, you swipe and you go through the dungeon and you collect things, and it's kind of like a puzzler slash yeah. And it's really really interesting. And the art style is again um, you'd have to see Hagen's style, but it's really kind of this like this rock and roll heavy metal new wave kind of style. It's really great. He sort of takes the horror nice. of like this, like, like, I don't know if like the fly met like heavy metal, I guess. <laughs> and, like, and that's kind of his style. And it's really great. He, uh, Hagen actually did the art, um, for um cheerful ghost so if you go to cheerful ghost and you see that smiling ghost uh, in our logo that's him he also did our sticker plus our like stand-up thing and he's doing a lot of really cool game art he also did some some artwork for sleep ninja as well so like the whole portland retro uh, the whole portland game squad like you know they're all working pretty well and they're a bunch of cool people there so
1: that's great yeah Yeah. the portland indie game squad uh that's uh one that we looked at a lot because we were looking at like events and stuff to, uh, to join up with. And I noticed that they like host game jams and they do all sorts of stuff that we were uh, really interested in over the summer. We just never found any time to to get involved with that. But they looked like a really awesome group. Um,
2: yeah, Will uh, Lewis, he's um, the founder of that and he works with Corey. Um, they're sort of, like, partnering on that. And they sort of have relationships with Intel. And Intel's really into, surprisingly enough, into the indie game scene as well because, in you know, Intel has software tools and that kind of stuff. And they want people using their dev kits and their software tools. And Intel wants to, you know, and so they have relationships with all these companies. And they've done, like, documentaries and stuff. So it's really interesting how much he's taken sort of... I remember when the Pig Squad was just a bunch of, like... You know a bunch of people meeting up in like portland state university in a classroom and now it's so much bigger than that you know um it's really yeah. cool to see um the community just take off you know and have these really crazy relationships with like devolver digital and you know cartoon network it's pretty interesting that's amazing yeah
1: you know um it would be super awesome for our listeners uh, if we could get like links for all of that stuff we just talked about, yeah, man, I'll uh, send it all over links to, you. to those developers, and yeah, uh-huh. that'd be great. Absolutely, uh, and we'll yeah. post that up on our uh, website with the show notes and all that sort of stuff.
2: Right. Well, uh, t- to not continue to plug myself which of course i will do but if you go to cheerful <laughs> and you click interviews we've done interviews with a lot of them so we've done interviews with justin a couple times for sleep ninja games about monsters and a bunch of other portland indie developers as well making some interesting stuff and wick like a million times he's like my favorite person to interview because well he we published this game <laughs> that's probably part of it it's not it's like you know there's that but uh so yeah there's yeah. A lot i of just
1: that. read his most recent interview that you guys did huh. um any, yeah, anybody who's who's curious, go to CheerfulGhost.com and interviews is right at the top. Um and just like you said, they're all lined up right here. So
2: I'd say it's right next to the ad link that you should also click, but we don't have ads. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's appreciated. Uh,
2: well, it's funny about ads because like I <laughs> I I figured, like, okay, that's how we're going to make our money, you know, and get ads. But, like, like we don't make anything from ads. Like, no one clicks those anymore. I think everyone runs an ad blocker now. So, I just took them out because we made zero. So, I was like, all right, that's cool. Buy ads. (laughs) You know, I would have them up if I was rich from them, but I can't. So, they're gone. They're gone. It's, you know, I totally sell out to ads. I'm really sorry
1: because... I was looking for the ad when you said that and I was like the hell you don't have any ads and <laughs> well and of course you know you said you took them down but then you were like everybody runs an ad blocker and I was like oh shoot yeah
2: <laughs> I think that like ads are a really bad user experience so I totally get it um but then there's also this thing where it's like video games I think there are some sites that should be around you know I don't know maybe cheerful go should or shouldn't but like it is it is it is it is a kind of a trick to figure out how you go from little upstart website, which is kind of where we're at right now, to making money. And the only thing I found that works really for us is publishing games. Honestly, it's weird because I think that it's one of those intersections. It's something I've thought of where it's like, okay, we're a video game website, and we're supposed to remain quote unquote objective. As much I, I don't I don't believe in objectivity. I think we just have opinions, and you trust people with opinions or you don't. But like. But, like, and then we're publishing a game, and I'm supposed to be objective, and then I'm like, this game's the greatest, y'all. And it's like, and buy it, and I'm going to profit if you do. So it's like, (laughs) I don't know. It's weird. That's why I was like totally obvious when I was writing
0: about the game, like, this is a game we're publishing. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was trying to. Yeah. As long as you're transparent with that, I think it's fine. Yeah.
1: And the other thing is, too, is, is that it helps that i don't think you had to lie when you said the game was great uh i think the game's great i played it and i was blown away you know and it's interesting to hear about sort of like the evolution that you were talking about um because you know sometimes i'll i mean it's been a few years since the game was published but i'll go back and and play it every once in a while and see if i could beat my old high scores or you know uh, maybe get some new uh items and stuff that i haven't gotten yet because the game is it's pretty dang difficult which uh, i think is like one of the joys because it kind of harkens back to like you were saying that sort of uh early uh kind of retro game era where everything was notoriously difficult um but the game has a lot of like really really surprising modern elements that make it really enjoyable like the persistence of you know uh, like the point or like money system and uh, all of that uh gee i'm rambling about the game but well, what's funny
0: what's funny is um, you've been talking about Starship Rubicon for a long time because you were, like, loosely connected to the developers, you know? And so even before we started Game Devs Quest, Yeah, Debs well, I was Quest, on your like, Ghosts
1: and all that, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was like... And, uh,
1: oh. and you know, uh, I'll, I'll be transparent about it, too. John John contacted me way back and to see if I could plug the game on my podcast and all that sort of stuff. I was more than happy to do it. And when the game got greenlit on Stem... Uh, or Stem. Steam. I was uh, more than happy to uh, to actually buy it because the game is that enjoyable, um, and I really think it is. It's like the perfect balance between uh, like replayability and like also like quick play sessions. And uh, the game, uh, you know, with like the different ships and, and uh, the different abilities that come with each ship, uh, there is a lot of replay value there. So I I, I love the game. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. say it if you we, can. So we
2: all love it. That's great. Yeah, I love it too. In fact, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have published it if I didn't, because I think that it's so much work to do that, and you don't know how anything's going to turn out, right? So for me, when I start something, I kind of... I So, okay, well, I'll back this up a little bit. When I launched Cheerful Ghost originally, I thought, look, this is something clearly that gaming needs, of course, you know, like everyone's going to come flock to this thing that I built. Right. It had these delusions of grandeur. Right. And then when we launch it, it was like, "Mm, mostly no one cared. Like we're, we're bigger now, but like when we launched, like it was, it it was embarrassing. I think that that's, but that's kind of like a model of launching, which is if you don't launch and it's kind of embarrassing, maybe it's too late. You know what I mean? So there's that line (laughs) between like, when does it come out versus when is way too long. Right. Um, for web apps and stuff like that, I think, but, um, so so after that happened and I sort of reset my expectation to where like, well, this isn't my job yet, but I love it and I want to continue it, I sort of have been approaching things in a different way when I sort of do do something. So when I came into Starship Rubicon, I thought, I want to do this not because I'm going to like this is going to become my job maybe, although it could, it's possible it could hit that way, but that wasn't my expectation. My expectation was that I'm going to do this because just doing it was going to be enough for me. Like just, Just seeing how that could work out. And even if like only a couple of people bought it, that process and that journey would be worth it. Um, And I think that my, I even, we even sort of beat my expectations in terms of what we were able to do there, which was good. But I think starting out with just doing something because you want to do it is a good place to be, unless, you know, and I, we both had jobs at the time, you know, this is Wicks full-time job now. So he's in a little bit of a different spot than I am. Um, I think that's really good. And that's kind of something that I remember. It sort of harkens back to a discussion you guys were having a couple podcast episodes ago, where you were talking about, um, you know, if you made a pod, if you made a video game, and you just sold fifty thousand copies or whatever, that would be a pretty good, you know, amount of success there. Um, and I think that that would be. Um, we sold significantly less than that, but I think even even though that we did, like I still think that was successful. So yeah, for me, but then again, I don't have, like I have another job too. So that was okay for me. So one thing that I was wondering too is like, yeah, it's one thing about numbers too, when you guys were talking about the 50,000 too is, um, did you guys see that recent news with the developers of Prison Architect and Scanner Sombra? somber or whatever the game is they did after that is
0: that the vr game or
1: whatever that they oh yeah i saw the vr game and everybody everybody's been talking about that <laughs> i think uh taylor the guys on yeah uh, I, I, I heard it from butter, talking yeah, about it. butter yeah coffee with Butterscotch.
2: yeah so they're thing so um the guys that did that uh the prison architect um they thought that with their next game scanner that they were going to because they had a built-in i mean they sold a gajillion copies of prison architect right and their thinking was look we sold, well, yeah, a copies, like when we sell Scanner, it's like all of our fans are going to buy the next game. They sold like maybe 50,000 to 90,000 copies, and these guys did Prison Architect. I think one thing that I sort of learned from that is, you know, it's all about the game, and I thought that like, if you just had an audience, you could sell them that, you know what I mean? But apparently, that's not entirely accurate. So, yeah, it's weird going from millions of sold to 90,000. Um, yeah. And that was a really interesting YouTube video to watch, too, because I was like, wow, video games is a fickle beast, I think. But then again, <laughs> those games are so different. You know, if they yeah. made kind of like a management sim game, maybe it would have been different. I don't know what you guys think about that.
0: That's I kind of wonder about that, because it's kind of like you know let's say you're a director and you make horror movies and the horror movies are successful and then the next movie you put out is a romantic comedy or something you know they're completely different so the well, audience I... that you've built is just like they have completely different interests and i'm i'm not I... saying that all video game players like you know are tied to one particular genre but that could be part of it
1: i i'm i'm going to I, I just have to let my opinion be heard about this Taylor. Uh comedy and horror come from the same place. Okay.
0: Well, I so... did just watch Get Out and uh What's the <laughs> yeah, dude? What's his name? Uh, uh Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele, yeah, he's like super funny, but then he goes into like dark horror dude. Whatever. That was Get yeah. Out was
2: fantastic. Oh, fantastic. yeah. I love I, that movie It's too. the best movie and I've lot seen people... in a long time. And I don't really Yeah, a lot of people
0: work were... towards horror. So
1: yeah, well, the great thing about it was that it's, like, a little deeper than your average slasher, right? Yeah. Um, and I think lately, man, there's been some, like, really great resurgence in horror movies. Like, uh, not to go too into the woods here, <laughs> this is but I idea. really I really enjoyed The Witch. I just watched the Babadook, which, like, blew my mind because um, I thought it was going to be dumb, and it wasn't dumb. It was actually pretty good. <laughs> and then with movies like Get Out and, and that sort of thing coming out – We're seeing a resurgence in, like, thoughtful horror movies and not just, like, mindless, mind-numbing slasher gore movies. Um,
0: Yeah, I just appreciated the social commentary.
1: Yeah. And then with the resurgence of, like, Stephen King stuff doing, like, really well, like, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like The Dark Tower. I thought it was enjoyable. But it was really good. Um, and that, I just watched Gerald's game on Netflix the other day. Like that was actually really good as well, except a lot of people hated it because it's really traditional Stephen King. But, uh, (laughs) we're getting into the woods here Horror comedy (laughs) come from the same place. Uh, (laughs) what were you going to say about the game? (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, I think that, Yeah. Like you said, if they had stuck to like the traditional like sort of uh, sim management style that they did, they probably could have sold two million copies, depending on what they did. Prison Architect was really novel. I don't think anybody that I was aware of had done a prison management game. You know, theme parks had been done to death. Um, hospital, like uh, theme hospital, one of my favorite sim management games, um, and still enjoyable to this day. Um, not only that, have you guys played Sim Golf. What a great game! You manage and uh, and run your own your own golf club.
2: Uh, yeah, of course. Prison Architect to me felt more like Sim City than Sim City Four did. Um, yeah. Or at least in that I enjoyed it way more than Sim City Four because um, I didn't really enjoy Sim City Four too much. But um, yeah, Prison Architect is really good, and it's interesting because, like, I love that game so much. I sort like crushed on it so much that I wanted to do an interview with them for so long. And I probably shouldn't be talking about this, but like, I I totally nerded out, and I was thinking, I was like, okay, this game clearly has something to say about the prison system in the united states and i know they're from the uk or at least in their country at least it's saying something about the system or 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 who should die and i mean if you look at the single play like the story aspect of the game they're saying something about morality right and and, and i think the, at least i thought they were so i was generated this interview with them and they finally agreed to it and i had all these weird questions about like Oh man, I I really I think I think this interview is kind of embarrassing from my perspective now, but like but that's, <laughs> oh, no, but that's what the show is that right? We're supposed to make fun of ourselves, right? So I had these questions about like, do you remember like that system of a down song when they talk about you know the prison system and blah blah blah, and then I had the <laughs> parallel between the prison system and and then how the games like has saying something about, it. and he just totally ignored answering any of those questions. I think one of them, he's like, it's we're not doing anything like that at all, man, nothing. And then he answered two. And it was so embarrassing. I just didn't post the interview, but um, oh, apparently yeah, it's man. not saying it just anything. Broke my heart. Apparently it's not saying anything political, um, or at least they. It, yeah, I know. Mine too, man. When I read that, I was like, eh, uh, I'll just, I'll just click delete and never think about it again. <laughs> uh, you know, see, it's interesting because to me, there's
1: lots of like sort of traditional setting tropes that I really enjoy. Uh, in my media, whether it's games, books, movies, one of which the tried and true is like the special school, right? Uh, X-Men does this really well. Harry Potter is the most notable example. Um, Name of the Wind books have the special school. I love it. But I became like really enamored with this, this like prison idea for a long time. Uh, when I was in high school, uh God, more, more than 10 years ago at this point, I think I read this article about this DC project that was coming out, this movie project called Supermax, And I got so freaking stoked because it was supposed to be uh, this movie set in this prison um, that houses super villains and the green arrow was framed and was tossed in there with him. And he's like the only non, super powered person and he has to survive. And I was like, this is the greatest idea ever. And so from then on, I've always been sort of like enamored with, you know, prison, um, I don't know, prison settings, I guess. Um, whether it's TV, movies, books, uh, games, uh, that's what drew me to prison architect. I, uh, I kickstarted prison architect, uh, the first day that it, the Kickstarter was on there, I was just happened to be browsing and saw it. And I was, I mean, I had already had a shit ton of money, but, um, that was uh, pretty awesome to get to do.
0: Yeah, prisons are just like a you know, their own society within society. So it's they play by different rules and I think that's why it's an interesting setting. Mhm. But yeah. But yeah, I uh, I think that they just
1: misunderstood their their market base. Um, you know, and kudos to those those developers for like taking a a, a chance and like creating something
0: Uh, different and new Um... yeah well that's like the other day I I saw a tweet by Chris Deleon who was basically saying like as a game developer you don't owe anything to anybody so like being kind of stuck in a corner like this is what you do so this is what you're going to do forever is kind of sad I mean I know that like your successes will help you go further on with other projects that you have but like that's restricting you know like as a game developer you want to be able to make whatever it is that you want to make uh, at least if you're like you know really passionate about games if it's just like you're running a business or something then maybe maybe it's different but maybe that maybe that's why they chose to do something different is that they're not as much about just being like a successful business they want to like you know push into new areas and learn all kinds of different things about game development and I think that's pretty cool, personally. And be able to artistically express themselves in a way that
1: is uh, fulfilling in more than their pocketbooks.
2: Right. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: So,
2: I think some game developers really like, or some companies really like to do... The same kind of thing because it's like what they're super passionate about for instance Electronics, you know they do space chem and they've got a new game out that i'm forgetting the name of but one of my friends loves playing it and loves talking about it um and they just he just does just puzzle games you know and i think that really works you know for for them um and i think introversion software they did prison architect they also did like um darwinia
1: Oh, yeah. And they also did
2: um, Uplink and stuff like that. So it's they've had a really interesting journey because they've had a hard time, you know, um, being a profitable studio. And they've been around for a while. Um, And what saved them, like, you know, to even make Prison Architect was uh, Steam, actually. They were one of the first um, people to jump on the digital train on Steam, which was really good for them. So... So, yeah, I mean, I think that they are a good example of a company that sort of branches out and didn't do a a lot. Um, But in that, I mean, clearly, again, like I said, video game, you know, there's so many choices out there and not everything that you're going to think of is for every audience, you know, Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing about art in general is that uh, the people who, like, make it big and have some sensational thing they're not really like following the safe trends usually you know like uh i always look at like books like there's trend chasers and stuff like that and they just they never find any success but the people like who sort of uh kick off a sort of trend they break out they sell a million books it's the same thing in games right like i mean in, in books the examples that come to mind obviously like hunger games right like they're obviously dystopian stuff was a, uh, a huge genre before but, you know, the, the ingredients that she threw in turned into a freaking smash sensation. Same thing with Harry Potter or look at Twilight. Um, and it's the same with games. You can never know what's going to be successful. So if you just make something that uh, that you kind of believe in and is fun for you and is a really good creative outlet, uh, I think you're going to do better for yourself than just like chasing market trends. Like Right.
0: Um, well, and then you have you know, like like throwbacks you know like stardew valley everybody talked about well afterwards everyone was like it came out of nowhere no one knew that this was going to be a hit success but he had (laughs) waited long enough or or whatever to fill that void that like harvest moon and animal crossing or whatever was filling for those other generations you know so i don't it's really hard to say uh it's trends and uh, i don't know I think
2: it also depends on what your goals are, too. Because I think for introversion, they've got, I'm just going to take a wild guess, I haven't seen their books, but with the success of Prison Architect, they probably have some room for trying stuff out that doesn't work. Um, yay for them. And then with, you know, as they like sleep on their bed of money and roll around in it like Scrooge McDuck, which is amazing. Good for them. Good job, guys. Um, and then there's other, and they can, you know, innovate, they can take chances or whatever. I look at a company like Valve. Um, who I love, by the way. I love you, Valve. Um, and they are making Artifact, which is a Dota 2 card game. Okay? Um, so no one it. no one asked for this game, but Valve's making it. Um, <laughs> chasing trends, exactly. They're totally chasing a trend, absolutely. And the trend, but it makes total sense for where they are as a company, right? They sell hats. They want to build a marketplace. They want to enable people to, you know, build cosmetics, like enable community to participate. They like these big games that a lot of people are involved in. They want to get into the esports arena. They want all this stuff. Well, Artifact. Well, that's that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's that. Right. That's that's a new Valve. You know what I mean? It's it's not exactly Portal 2, which I thought was one of the best single player games probably in the last 10 years. But which I thought was awesome. I don't know if a modern Valve makes that game anymore exactly. But um, it's interesting. Um, and then, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're not really they weren't really chasing trends with the HTC Vive. I mean, there weren't a lot of people doing VR at the time. So they're they're kind of moving out in some ways as well. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that it really depends on what your goals are. And if you're trying to serve a gazillion players and say, what games can we make for the most amount of people that are our players? I mean, Artifact is the right choice, I guess, for Valve. You know, it might not have been what I would have yeah. made, but um, when you're considering a worldwide audience of a bajillion people, and that's a real number, by the way, um, <laughs> it makes sense, I think.
1: I uh, Yeah,
2: I love Valve uh, as well. Uh, I
1: Some of my fondest memories... Play Half Life One, um, great game, and Counter Strike. A lot of Counter Strike, um, but <laughs> too uh, much yeah. Counter Strike. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame them for making Artifact. And in fact, it's interesting. I do enjoy uh, seeing these big studios, you know, kind of take their their swing at the the Hearthstone Hearthstone market. Um,
2: oh yeah, everyone is chasing Blizzard right now, aren't they?
1: Yeah, it seems and, a little bit weird though that th- it took them this long to get to that. Well, that's my biggest problem with it, right? I mean, even God, even Bethesda. Who uh, you can ask anybody. Morrowind is my favorite game ever. Um, <laughs> it's like every time they make a new game, I'm just like, okay, this is really good, but you're missing something. And then they're, now they're making Elder Scrolls Legends, which I guess people have been playing, and it's really great. But uh, they're never going to get any of my money it's for that. It's a pretty that. good card and, game, uh, which it's is a pretty fine. good
2: card game. It's pretty good. It
1: looks great. Yeah, my brother plays plays a lot of it uh, right now. So, you know, good for him. And Elder Scrolls Online, you know, good for them. I know a lot of people who enjoy them. Um, but, yeah. I will say this about Valve. Uh, if they want to sell a bajillion copies of a game, all they got to do
2: is make Half-Life 3. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude. It doesn't even matter if it's bad. <laughs> You're totally right. I but, I but think about it like this, though. That game sells one time. Artifact goes yeah. on forever, right? It will never. Oh, never no, stop sure. Selling the packs, they'll never. Right. So you're totally right. They're gonna. They will break all single player game sales, but Artifact will never stop selling, right? So yeah, from it's the same you're thing totally with Counter Strike right. and yeah. Dota, right? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, they should give away CS:GO for free with how they monetize it. Um, but so that, I agree. That was a little weird for me, which I, I bought it because I love CS, but then I was like, oh, you know, this seems like they could pay for it in a lot of other ways. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, the thing that
1: irritates me about uh, CSGO the most is that the only gameplay element of that that I enjoy is the online ranked play, because it seems to be the most balanced and also, like, the most fun. Like, casual is just filled with cancerous leches, so is ranked, but... You know, it's just a little bit more enjoyable for whatever reason. Um, so you pay $15 to get this game brand new. Uh, and then you want to jump right in and start playing ranked. And you start doing really well. And then it goes, well, you're oh, doing cool too down. good. You got to cool down. You can't play anymore. And it's like, what? Uh, yeah. Dota was free and I could play as much Dota in 24 hours as I <laughs> can fit in. You know, like, <laughs> like this all of a sudden. It's like you can't telling play. you to stop. Yeah, yeah, it's weird I, that a
2: game it, would tell you to stop. I mean, the only other thing that I've seen like that is when my Nintendo Wii is like, you've been playing a long time. Are you sure you don't want to go outside and run around? And I'm like, "Yeah, I just got back from a run. I don't want to go running again.
1: Or like in Metal Gear Solid 2, when you start getting calls from, you know, the the behind-the-scenes people, and they're like, you've been playing for over. And they, like, calculate how long... And it's like, no, stop it! I'm going to finish! I'm so close! <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Um... God, did we get here
0: from talking about... Starship uh, Rubicon? Prison Architect? <laughs> or Prison Architect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Starship Rubicon. Um, well, I was going to... sorted path, my friends. This is what happens every time we talk, though. So it's just one giant rabbit yeah, hole. true. Uh, <laughs>
2: I really hope we get back on philosophy. I love it when you guys talk philosophy.
0: Let's Oh, uh, yeah, one. dude. Do it like Diogenes. Um, <laughs> hey, you know... Um, or your
2: map your map talk uh, that was also awesome I love that oh yeah too. back on maps got a map we're right so, here we're actually.
0: such nerds yeah um, i was gonna ask speaking oh what were you gonna say yeah, Ryan? right go ahead no. <laughs> <laughs> it was gonna take us the wrong direction <laughs> i was gonna ask you about um just your experience publishing and kind of how that all works how how do you like start how do you just decide that you're going to be publishing games and what do you, yeah. Where do you like foresee that going with you or with cheerful ghost and everything? Um, Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I, it's kind of like what I mentioned earlier about being, you know, like showing at a convention and realizing that what I was asking people to do was like, Hey, there's a video game website out there that you care about. And they're like, yeah, neat. Bye. Bye. I'm like, okay, well, that pitch sucks. (laughs) And then I was like, just like, okay, what else can we do? Something, what what are our video game websites not doing? And I just saw people making games and trying to talk about those games. And it was something else to focus on that had the Cheerful Ghost moniker on it. And my, my thinking was like, okay, we can make a game. Or we can publish a game and maybe Cheerful Ghost will get some exposure from that. Maybe we could use Cheerful Ghost as a platform to talk about the game. You know what I mean? And so that was my thinking there. Plus, it was like I had, you know, I was on like a marketing budget of zero. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I just got to try something different. It's kind of like, it's a really big experiment. And I told Wick, I said, look, I don't, this is an experiment for us both. Like, I don't know, but it's risky, but I'll tell you that I'll treat you fair, and if by the end of it, and this is actually baked in the contract at any time, because it was risky for him, and I don't, and I know people take their things that they make, the art they make, very seriously, and I do too, actually, so what I told him was, I said, look, uh, if you don't like our relationship, you can, we can stop, okay, all I ask for is a little bit of time to prove that I could do this, and, but if you don't like it, you, you, you can be done, because I would rather have a good relationship with you than make like three cents or whatever, you know so, um, and I think that was good um, to do that, and we have a really good relationship now, so that's really good because again, I have an incentive to make sure that he's happy and, and vice versa and I think that works out really well, just cut him another check so that was really good, but I think that um, and now moving forward and we don't, we're not publishing any games right now because of the time commitment it takes to do that, so when I first sat down to figure out what we were going to publish I needed a story for the game and so I came down to him and I said look we need to work on what the game is and talk about the game and we came up with over you know beer uh, what the game narrative was going to be and we came up what new gameplay mechanics were going to be and we came up with how to talk about the game and you know these kinds of things because you know when you're talking about a game it's really easy to say um, Starship Rubicon is an indie roguelite where you're trying to find a new earth after it's been destroyed right or I could say Starship Rubicon is a Asteroids clone. Well, one of those I think is a little bit more compelling and that, you know, I was trying to find New Earth and we were talking about really easy elements that we could pull from that wouldn't add a zillion hours to his development cycle because I have to be respectful of his time too. It's like, no, to sell this game where we might not make very much money, you have to spend 50 years. You know, that's not fair to him, right? So I had to be like, how can we build a story together? And I collaborated with him on the story and we collaborated on the items and I, I, I t- we talked about Battlestar Galactica, we talked about we talked about um, the last starfighter. In fact, Death Blossom is a direct ripoff the last starfighter. Heck yeah. Death <laughs> Blossom. Like for real. And that's the go to that people love doing and the default thing. And it's it feels overpowered, but it's really not. And we talked about and you take these tropey elements because you need to fit a narrative into a story and not burden him with a zillion extra hours of development. Cause I'm a developer too, right? I wrote Cheerful Ghost. I get how much longer just some half to bake garbage idea can take to do, right? Um, development takes forever, right? So I was working with him to do that and just throw ideas off of him, he said that can't work and I remember the first build he gave me of the game I'm like, this is too fucking hard, man Like, you need we need to dial this down, and the game's really hard now, but <laughs> believe me, it was way harder, and I'm like, look you know, but that was kind of a badge of pride that we took, we took an element of the game which is this game is going to kick your ass and when people play it, I'm like, this game's going to kick your ass but that's what makes it awesome and you just say that to someone instead of apologizing for it it's better, and if they're like, wow, that game kicked my ass it's like, well, yeah that's what it does. You know what I mean? <laughs> Until <better>. you're good. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. And some people love that, and some people don't. And we had people that would play the game. And they're like, "Yeah, I beat it in the first playthrough." And I'm like, "Oh my God, who are you?" Because right? they play those kind of games. Like that's what they play. You know. And some people, you know, it took them longer. You know. But one of the cool things about all that was when we were getting reviews, and one of the one of the best reviews we got was like, "This is the best game I've ever played." You know what I mean? And we didn't get a lot of that, but we got some, and that right there was like, wow. I didn't even know that was a thing we you could do for someone. I didn't think I would ever be able to hear that, you know? And, um, like, it was really great, and I think we both were really proud of that kind of thing. So, moving forward, I'm looking to publish smaller, probably, games, even than Starship Rubicon or something in that genre, and something that's a little different, um... I really want to experiment more in how to market a weird game or a game that has a weird marketing thrown to it. And I mean I mean marketing in terms and I should probably just should use that word, just how you talk about something or how you approach something or making just some weird crazy trailers. Cause when for of Rube kinda made all the trailers. And the first one is terrible, and the last one's really pretty good. I'm actually kind of proud of that. Uh, Which is how everything works, right? Your first one sucks, and then you get better as you move along. But you you know, um, I didn't like that. Let you know, let that didn't stop me or whatever. So I want to. It would be really cool, and I have some some things in mind to do that. But it would just be really cool to be like to dream about publishing a game that's just so crazy and just do the weirdest stuff. Just I don't know. Because, like, if you're not going to make any money, you might as well do something that you're really interested in or really proud of or is really weird, as far as I'm concerned, because I like weird shit. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> it's like the Kevin Smith mentality. You know, he goes and makes, you know, Clerks and Dogma and Chasing Amy. Some okay movie. You know, and then he backs away from the game and he goes, you know what? What movie nobody's going to make? A man about a man turning another man into a walrus. And then he goes out and makes Tusk, which is one of like, <laughs> I love the tusks. weirdest. Yeah, I love, I love it too. But I because I was, I was aware of like what it was going yeah. to be. I can't imagine going and seeing that movie without having known like what it was. But I was a part of it. Like I listened to the podcast where they, where they hatched the idea for the movie. I listened to that the day that it was released. And I was just laughing my butt off the whole time. I mean, uh, and at the end of it, like there's two dudes in a walrus suit fighting. And they got that idea from Iron Man. From when right. Jeff Bridges' character gets in the big Iron Man suit and they fight, like I, I, I had a I had a great time with that. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say about you talking about you know marketing weird game ideas. It's like I kind of I think it was you. I saw you mulling over uh, the game everywhere
0: um, or everything. Sorry, everywhere, everything. Um, yeah,
2: right. That's a really amazing game. best gameplay trailer I've ever seen. It's absolutely yeah. incredible.
0: Isn't it on Humble Bundle right now? It is oh yeah it's I'm the at day of the this. devs
2: bundle and that's yeah. how i found out about it and then i watched a trailer and i'm like i don't know what the fuck this is and then i watched a <laughs> gameplay trailer and it changed it would change the way i think about life and i've never and i've never seen that in a gameplay trailer before and i wrote about it on cheerful Ghost and i and it, it's crazy you should watch it i don't want to talk too much about it because it's an experience you should have just go to cheerful ghost it's like a couple it's a couple blips down but um it showed me kind of like what you can do, and I don't want to do anything that's serious because I don't, I don't, I can't do that serious stuff. Really, I think that's for those people. I think they're doing it great. I like weird stuff, um, but like, yeah, uh, wow. It, 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 I don't know if, if if there's a question about games as art anymore. Just point to that shit, and I don't think there's a question anymore. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, unless you're dead Dude, inside the, or the...
2: something, which there are people that are dead inside, so maybe they would think. Oh, that.
1: there absolutely are, yeah. Yeah, everything, the trailer for everything looks uh, amazing. And I uh, I really like uh, the, I don't know if it's just a guy. Uh, I really like the studio uh, behind that. They made The Mountain, which uh, like blew my mind. And The Mountain was actually direct inspiration for a quote unquote game that uh, Taylor and I made. Uh, which it was the first game we ever made together. The air quote uh,
2: makes it awesome, by the way. Just it's, go with it. Uh, yeah. It's
0: the you only could game say, that's you could say meant life to experiment. be played.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you have one choice. Do you shut off the game or not?
2: <laughs> I like that a lot. I've never heard of that. That's really cool. It's, it's it's kinda uh, like, about, it reminds it's... me of that game Don't Shit Your Pants or something. That's cool. <laughs> And the whole point is, like, you have, like, 30 seconds to not shit your pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to figure out how to do that. Good luck, by the way.
0: This game is about <laughs> people shitting the pants of the earth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cl- cl- it's a climate g- uh, climate change game jam that we did, where we didn't know how to make games, and we tried.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's pretty pathetic, but uh, it's basically just a 15-minute-long video. <laughs> but it's uh, it was a good experience, I think, and we had a lot of fun just uh, messing with the. Uh, I think like what a game is like. What is a game supposed to be? And I think the mountain like asks that question perfectly. Uh, like, because how do you how do you market the mountain? Uh, like everything is hard enough, but then you look at the mountain and it's like. Okay, here's a game. It costs a dollar, and you just like let it run in the background, and you don't do anything. And if you press keys, like some beautiful notes play, and there's like some music, and every once in a while, a quote about the meaning of life plays across the screen, and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, games are a weird thing. I I, uh, I definitely uh, would would love to to see you know what you do in the future with uh, you know weird titles and that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a game that I even like to make too, but again, it's more like time, you know. And I sort of have been I've sort of been thinking about consumerism and all that kind of thing, and how I like and about time and spending money and all that kind of thing. And I've been focused and sort of the and I know that's a larger discussion. I'll just sort of hand wave at that and say that like I've been (laughs) playing a lot more retro games because of it. You know, um, there's a nostalgia factor, but I don't really look at it like that. I, th- I look at things, like, I love movies, too, So and I've got a huge movie library that I watch, and I still watch movies from it. And, you know, I come back and watch Alien, I come back and watch Aliens, I, you know, I watch uh, a lot of that kind of stuff, and, um, and I kind of look at games in the same way as, like, people that come back and read books they like, and richer games especially, and also just in terms of the whole always feeling like you have to play the latest game and talk about this and be part of this conversation and and I think it would be better for Cheerful Ghost probably if I was a part of that and reviewed like Battlefield don't give a shit but I think that like (laughs) but the problem but I don't care about that anymore you know what I mean it's more about like I don't know I, I sort of am trying to like focus on just this little thing like these things that I like and these things that sort of fit better into my life instead of trying to chase this intangible thing which is like being a part of this huge gamer conversation and pushing forward the conversation and all this kind of crazy stuff. Which I don't mind talking. I love talking to so someone on this podcast, but I guess I just mean like... Like, am I an influencer? I don't, I, I kind of, you know, or whatever. You, I'm sure you guys have thought about all this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I think it's cool to be a part of a community and talk and do interesting things. And then there's a point where I think for me, like, where I'm chasing things that I don't really want to go down the path of anymore, you know what I mean? And yeah, I, I don't really know what any of that was about, so I'm going to stop right now. <laughs> but I play a lot of retro games, and I love yeah. it. They're great. And I've been playing Metroid a lot, and uh, Mega Man 2, nice. and Castlevania.
1: So. <laughs> nice. Hell, yeah. All the great titles. And the thing, you know, I think the thing with um, playing games, at least for me, like I've recently come to the conclusion that it's a lot of like nostalgia chasing. Like I think about when I was a kid and I could literally wake up in the morning and, you know, turn on Ocarina of Time and I could play from like, you know, sun up to sundown and then some, you know, while chugging my double gulp of Mountain Dew and um, or any of the Final Fantasy titles or anything like that. And uh, I'm always trying to like. I I recently realized it's like because I'm I'm trying to like chase that experience, and which is why I like still play games. And I have this huge Steam library of games, like ninety percent of which I don't play. <laughs> yeah. And I have this huge yep. library of games on my uh, for my PlayStation Four. I don't play any of them. Um, right. And I realize it's like I'm I'm chasing this like feeling, rather than yep. just like you know trying to. I guess like fulfill myself, and I think like what made me really realize that was uh, I played this game Abzu, yes, um, which is like a it's like it's a also a humble bundle like, right now. Yeah, it is actually. I'm yeah, buy it's it. just like a diving <laughs> game, and at first I was like, you know, you turn it on, and you're like, oh man, you're gonna have to like manage your air supply, and you're gonna have to avoid sharks, and do... no, it's like this like beautiful little walk through the park, and when I played it, like there was like ones like. So many scenes had my hands sweating and my heart rate was up, and uh and then there's other an, another few scenes that like I, I was like tearing up, and when I was done, I I literally felt like I had this experience that I was going to remember forever. It, it just like reminded me of like going for a hike or something, rather you know something fulfilling rather than just like this thing that you pour your time into. Because we talked about this on the podcast before, but it's you know I've spent like what two percent of my life playing 2. <laughs> Yeah. Some garbage yeah. like that. <laughs> And uh, when you think about, oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And you think about how, like, little impact, I mean, I'm not going to say it's had little impact on my life because I think about a lot of things the way that I think about Dota 2. And I think the way my mind works informed the way I played Dota 2. And I think the way I played Dota 2 and think about numbers and stats and and optimization informs the way I do things in my real life. And would I trade that time for anything? No, I wouldn't. But at the end of the day, I don't get anything from it. I don't get anything. I'm not looking for, like, tangible, benefits you know it's not like i want to be like some famous esports player or like correspondent or whatever um but at the end of the day it's like i have uh, two thousand hours of stuff jammed into my brain that i'm only going to be able to remember like a few of yeah you know and then i can go online and i can look at my stats and like reminisce about the stats and the numbers and all this sort of stuff but it's just a high that's all it was you know you play it you feel good for an hour or not good (laughs) <laughs> and then you have to keep playing cuz you want to do better or you want to do just as good. I'd rather spend my time enjoying a really great story of a game or something, you know, something that I can play for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour and then be able to just put it down and walk away from and still feel good. Uh which is I think something that like the competitive scene uh in games like Counter-Strike and Dota and League of Legends and all this stuff really lacks like you can't put it down and feel good unless it's under a very very like strict set of parameters like you won five games in a row and you were the best now you can stop good job you know
2: (laughs) right I sort of look at sort of what I'm trying yeah yeah I, I totally feel a lot of that I think when I'm looking at stuff it's like gaming to me is just like the greatest hobby you know what i mean ever and when it becomes an unfortunate job or an obligation and it really can be it becomes really bad and i see a lot of gamers and forums talk about oh you know where's that next 60-hour game where i got not like you know i'm just going through the motions and i feel terrible about doing this and what i need they're chasing this 60-hour game experience that's going to be the next greatest thing and i've sort of gotten off that train right because it won't stop right it yeah. won't stop and it, and it's what i was talking about with consumerism and it's t- what i'm talking about about because you guys are you know you talk about philosophy all the time and i would sort of look at this whole thing as in we all have things that we need to do because we are who we are right and to fill that whatever void or whatever some people use religion some people use whatever and i think that it's like I, i'm not religious thank thank god but like um you've got to like you've got to like Figure out what works for you in a way that's really sustainable, you know what I mean? And it's not about being happy. It's about figuring out where you fit in, you know, for me. And it's what fits in with your life. And I found that a lot of that kind of stuff and about how I fit in in gaming doesn't actually line up with um, chasing that 60-hour game or making a better Cheerful Ghost website uh, in that way or, or trying to facilitate, like, mad expansive growth because that's not what works for who I am you know what I mean but then again I've sort of got this thing where I could not do Cheerful Ghost anymore right because it's part of who I am but I don't want I don't want to act in a way or like do stuff in a way that like doesn't make sense for me sustainably or makes it so I'm a bad dad or I'm ignoring this or you know I'm ignoring that other part of my life you know sometimes I need to get out and go for a run that's nothing to do with gaming sometimes I need to hug my son nothing to do with gaming but gaming's incredible and I love it I just think that for a lot of people it's become something to serve, um, like big corporate interests, for instance, you everyone chasing that next 60 hour game is going to keep making everyone rich. And I love capitalism, yep. don't get me wrong, I love me some <laughs> capitalism, but you also have to understand that if you keep chasing that loot box, you're going to feel like the end result for a lot of people is going to feel terrible, and you're not going to your life's not going to be maybe that much better from it. Now, it could be, but for some people, it's not. And so, I don't know, I think that I don't know, I mean, again. I'm going to get off my soapbox. I'm done. But that's kind of how I've been thinking about all of this. It's like, how does it fit into our lives as our lives are constantly changing? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and you we've get, just lost yeah. everyone, uh, all of your listeners right now. So I apologize.
0: <laughs> no, this is what
1: happens. I think a lot more people than we're aware of are sort of experiencing this. The um, same thing the same uh yeah the same thing that we're talking about you know because all of us grew up playing video games
0: yep well and we Um,
1: there are very few people that are you know that are playing um a lot of games nowadays that didn't play when they were kids and i think i don't know what were you gonna say taylor
0: yeah i was well because i've been listening for a while and you guys have brought all kinds of like thoughts and emotions coming through and i'm thinking this whole this whole conversation has essentially been philosophy you know but uh (laughs) we grew up in a time where like when you're chasing the next big game that's like you know 60 dollars or whatever that's all we had you know because we didn't have like this online store where anybody could publish any game they want and you just have thousands and millions actually say go ahead
2: I would actually say that what we had back in the day was different. It was a little different. Because think about it like this, or at least for me, right? I only got video games two times a year, right? Yeah. Christmas, birthday. We're in a position now, and that's all. We couldn't chase the 60-hour game because mom and dad would tell you, like, they didn't have any money. They, I couldn't chase anything, right? You sure. know, it was either that or we didn't need it, right? So, yeah. so like, it's worse now, you know what I mean? It's so, it's yeah, like every bundle, I, every game,
0: well, it's marked well, down, it's, you know what I mean? It's like the rise and of the indie game. Of, oh Sorry, Sorry, Rhett. Uh, The rise of the indie game has kind of, like, been great for indie developers and everyone who are, like, aspiring game developers because now you have that opportunity of making games. But then you also just kind of become part of the noise, which makes this whole situation worse. Whereas, like you said before, you only got a game... Like, I used to subscribe to PC Gamer Magazine, and I would, like, read that thing, like, front to back, and I would pick that one game that was going to be my next game... You know, and I'd, I'd go out with my own money and I'd buy it, whatever. And then I'd sit down and I would just play it. You know, I'd install it on my computer and I'd have like five icons on my desktop that were like, you know, Far Cry, Age of Empires, like the few games that I had, whatever. And I would just play it, you know. And now it's this kind of like yeah. every... every... Well, we get
1: like choice paralysis. Exactly. Like, sure. Yeah. Not only with what to buy, but with what to play. And as an adult, like playing a game is a way bigger
0: commitment than it ever was as a kid, right? Um, Yeah, I almost never play games anymore, to be honest. But I still buy them. Yeah, I buy them all the time because I think, oh, that game's gonna be so fun. It's gonna like you know, I am gonna enjoy it so much. It's gonna change. Yeah, maybe maybe it'll give me some ideas for making another game. And then half the time, I just don't even play them. You know. Right, well, which is
2: good in, in a way too, because it's yeah. good to buy an indie game from someone, and that you know when that's their yeah. livelihood. So, one of the things that I'm thinking about doing next year, and I, I think about goals that I have for the year. You know what I mean? Not 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 uh, not like uh, resolutions, because no one does that shit. But I mean actual goals that you work <laughs> against. You know what I mean? Um, and one of the things is like how many? Ga- I, I'm thinking about putting a limit. On the amount of games I buy next year. Well, one of the benefits there. That's a there, really good idea. One of the benefits there is it means I got to be really mindful about the stuff that I buy, and that's actually really good. But one of the negatives is, well, maybe some people aren't going to get money in the way that they would. But I have to think about it in terms of, you know, what's going to be better for where I need to go, which I think it's good because I have this. I have like I, I was thinking about it the other day, and I wrote a little note which says, "Waste less, be grateful for what you have, more." Right. Um. Eh, I don't know, but like I don't know, I've been thinking about that a lot. So I don't know. I, I think about that for constantly. sure, but we'll see. We
0: talk about sustainability dude, yeah. all the freaking time. I, that's so. like one of my pet peeves. <laughs> like people who go out to eat and then they don't take their leftovers home. Like that just pisses me off. Like, dude, I'll take your leftovers and I'll eat them, just so you don't waste them.
1: You know, you know. <laughs> you know, it's funny though. Is you should I've gone just gone the walk up to someone, that. just
0: eat off their plate, just sit yeah. and
1: just <laughs> <Right. eat. laughs> I've gone the opposite way with that, Taylor. Where now. I, I feel a little bit more um, like I have more self-control if I can leave some on the plate and not take it home. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I'm just like, see, I'm not an animal who, like, has this one set of programming, which is, like, must get most, uh you know, most cost-effectiveness out of every dollar,
0: you know? Well, <laughs> like, you traveled to like, Japan with me, so you know how I am with that, but I don't know. I, yeah, I'm the same way, yeah. and I and I... I don't like having a lot of stuff, and so, like, my wife and I go through our things pretty often and get rid of things that we don't use, but it's much harder when you talk about, like, digital stuff, Yeah. right? Oh, my God, yeah. Like, especially when you have, like, your Steam library, it's it's not, like, it's stored somewhere else where you don't manage it, you know? It's like, what's another five games, you know? Yeah. But no one's going to go in and clear yeah. out their Steam library. <laughs> no, well, and you couldn't even if you wanted to. Right. Um
2: yeah, so. I agree. So I think that it's better and then it's not it's not like it's not like a a kind of waste that like, you know, for like food waste and it doesn't contain like you know, like you're wasting this hamburger, which had an environmental impact in terms of the amount of crap the cow threw out and wrecked streams and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it does but have... it's an, like
1: cognitive waste. It is. It it's, is. I would say it's like... time thinking about it and yep,
2: feeling yep. things about it. Absolutely. So it has an impact, but it's not environmental in that way, maybe.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, there is a benefit, I think, to sort of like decluttering your mind in a way. Yep. Um, you know, uh I would love to continue this conversation, but we are coming up against our time. Uh John only has a few minutes before he has to raise his middle fingers and just walk away from the uh, from the mic. So, I figure we'll we'll try to we'll try to get ahead of the curve here. Yeah. Um John, I really want to thank you for for coming on um and and sort of illuminating uh your role with uh Starship Rubicon and and Wick and cheerful ghost and all that sort
0: of stuff. So, um Yeah, I had a I can honestly say that Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just gonna say I had a really good time and would love to talk more because obviously like we can go down the rabbit hole and I feel like this conversation could just evolve for the next like couple hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I got
2: think it to... would end up with all of us crying <laughs> in a circle which is fine because sometimes you need to get it out. That's right. Yeah,
1: I, uh, I've got Taylor to finally, uh, you know, Tune into your podcast, uh, probably around like episode four or five, uh, but I've been trying to get him to go on Cheerful Ghost and create an account. I have
2: an account. And, did. Uh, fu- have have an account. account. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I saw Good, that. good.
0: Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, welcome aboard. I know. Once you <laughs> once you guys got going on a podcast, like most of the time that I listen to stuff is when I'm commuting, so it was really nice that you had that. Now I can just download the episodes and listen. So, looking forward yeah. to listening to yeah, more. Yeah, we of those. should have
2: been doing that. We should have been doing that all along, you know, but uh, my original, and this is uh, one of my brilliantly terrible ideas, which was, hey, you know what's really new? Live streaming shows. Let's do a live streaming show. (laughs) No one cares. It was the worst idea. We should have been doing a podcast for five years, I'll be honest with you. We did it, and I was like, kind of kicking myself for that one, but it's like, we're innovating in the worst direction possible. (laughs)
1: Well, you know, the, the what which, which you could have done and still been, like, way ahead was live stream and then rip the audio and make that a podcast. That would have been
2: Yeah, so awesome. we thought about it, but the audio was terrible on Google <laughs> oh, Hangouts. Was it? It's really bad. So many pops and hisses. Yeah, if you like, if you like audio quality, um, that would have been pretty bad. But, no, we did think about that a little <laughs> bit. Um, that would have also required minutes from the day, which, yeah. uh, you know, we like to... You know, we're pretty
1: loose with yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I know that. I know that game well. Um, I really hope this isn't the last time that we ever have you on. Um, and yeah, I really yeah, hope yeah, I yeah. can
2: come back on when I have useless things for you guys to buy again, or things that you shouldn't buy, <laughs> and then um, hopefully you buy them. So,
1: heck yeah, um, yeah. You want to go ahead and uh, and real quick, just if you want, tell people where they can uh, find you on social media and all that sort of stuff. Hey, shout outs, Absolutely. whatever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you can find me on Twitter at Jay Dodson and at cheerful ghost at CheerfulGhost.com com slash Jay Dodson and a Facebook page that I'm never going to grant you friend access to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, guys. Well, uh, please check out cheerfulghost.com, Go make an account, go find an article or, or something that uh, interests you and, and give it a star and comment on it. Join the conversation. Um, and you guys can also hit us up we're on Twitter we're at game devs quest uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Uh you can email us at gdq at airpodcast.com uh, give us any you know questions or comments for for John and we'll kick him his way um, and uh, shoot there's always one thing I forgot to mention
0: there's I mean we got all kinds of stuff Itch.io. or oh yeah itch.io. yeah io forward slash game devs quest yeah. Twitch.tv forward slash game Devs quest we were streaming today which was pretty fun but
1: yeah go check out we just closed our our uh, most recent game jam uh go go watch the VOD for that and um and please uh it's it is the currency of all podcasts hop on iTunes give us a rate review subscribe if you like it and do the same thing for uh for John's podcast it's Cheerful Ghost Radio um i think you can find him on iTunes and other platforms <laughs> And I think that about does it for this week's episode of Game Devs Quest. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor.
2: I'm John Dotson. There we go. Thanks a lot, guys.